Shannon here, and I wanted to let you guys know that You Talk is now on Patreon. When you join our Patreon, you'll get a behind-the-scenes look at the making of the podcast, continue the tough conversations about show topics and mental health, and even share your own stories, all while supporting this podcast. As an indie podcaster, your support helps pay for the tools and subscriptions I need to continue to bring you quality content. Thanks in advance for any support you can give, whether it's on Patreon or just sharing with friends. Hope to chat with you soon at patreon.com slash utalk2020. Our stories are what make us unique, but they're also what connect us as human beings. It's time to stop talking and start listening. This is You Talk, I'll Listen with Shannon Chapman. Charmaine Hammond is executive producer of the animated film Back Home Again, which features the voices of Michael J. Fox, Kim Basinger, Catherine O'Hara, Eugene Levy, Ed Asner, and more. The film was inspired by the 2016 Fort McMurray fires in Alberta, Canada, which is the largest wildfire evacuation in the province's history. About 88,000 people had to leave their homes in this fire, and it was the costliest fire in Canadian history. She's also a public speaker and a business consultant who advocates for mental health and resilience. She is a boss. But like us all, Charmaine has experienced some things that forced her to be resilient. And she's joining me all the way from Canada today to talk about it. Thank you, Charmaine, for being here to share your story. Thank you, Shannon. I'm looking forward to the conversation and appreciate you helping inspire these conversations around mental health. They're so important right now. Yes, they are. So I was a very shy child. I still am very shy and quiet, but I hear that you were as well. How did you become a public speaker? (laughs) Well, it's great to meet another painfully shy person. I would say that it was my grade nine teacher, Ms. Erstikatis, that helped me develop my voice. I was in her English class, and she would do these incredible activities that provided everybody with the same opportunity to share a perspective. And I remember one day, she had us all pick an opinion that was the complete opposite of what we truly believed. So values that were different than ours. And what it told me was that everybody was in the same um, discomfort zone. And that basically, we all were coming from having to advocate an opinion that we didn't necessarily believe. So we were all on the same playing field, so to speak. And that was the day that I think I found my voice. It was grade nine. And Mrs. Decatus inspired me to follow my dreams and my passion. At that time, it was to become a correctional officer. So, so shy child. Wine's voice becomes a correctional officer and then goes on after high school to work in the jail system. Wow. (laughs) That is very interesting. (laughs) So what led you to a career as a correctional officer? I wanted to 
do something as a profession that allowed me to help people and uh, that allowed me to sort of be involved in making change. And at that time, that that's what I saw would be a fit. I wanted to be a counselor. And uh, I think I wanted a bit of excitement, Shannon. So I wanted a career that uh, provided a little bit of excitement and a bit provided a lot of excitement, <laughs> put it that way. But um, it, it was it was actually a couple of years into my career in the correctional system that I really, truly found my purpose and passion at the time. And that was working with young offenders. So I left, left working in the prison system and then went into work in uh, detention facilities and treatment and custody facilities for young offenders. And I worked my way up um, through those years to becoming the director of one of those facilities. Is that what you took from that time in your life is just your passion for working with young offenders? Yeah, and and they became some of my greatest teachers in life. I learned a lot about humility. (laughs) I learned a lot about patience. I learned a lot about creating innovative solutions to everyday problems. And most importantly, I learned about the impact that we can have on people with just simply by how we show up. Uh, My friend Yvonne Heath has a great way of saying it. I just showed up. And when we show up for people, we have no way of knowing how that impacts their life in years to come. How would you define resilience? What does that look like? Mm, What a great question. Resilience to me is the ability to bounce forward after challenge, crisis, adversity. And if you look up the definition of resilience, it's usually a little different. It says the ability to bounce back, the ability to recover after crisis and adversity. And uh, more than 25 years ago, I experienced a near-death sailboat accident that does have a happy ending, but it was extremely traumatic for me and uh, actually resulted in me not getting on a sailboat again for seven years because I was kind of paralyzed by this fear of the same thing happening again. And it was that day in the lake that I decided to create my own definition of resilience because I never wanted to go back to feeling helpless like that again or uh, frightened and not trusting my own skills and abilities to get through it. And when I finally got through it, uh, I decided, you know, I'm going to put a stake in the ground and resilience to me is bouncing forward. Tough stuff happens in all of our lives. And it's about standing tall, brushing our knees off and taking some kind of step, even if it's a baby, tiny, tiny little step, but just moving forward. I like that. Can you tell us more about what happened? Um, with your sailboating accident? Sure. Uh, we, we be my boyfriend at the time, Chris, we uh, had bought a small sailboat, a Hobie Cat sailboat, much like the ones that you see with the big yellow pontoons and you see them at the all resorts uh, uh, holiday uh, venues. And it was my first year sailing, although Chris had been sailing pretty much his entire life. He bought a sailboat before he bought a car. And uh, he was uh, just an, an incredible sailor. And we went out one day, particularly very windy, having a great time sailing the boat, and the boat actually flipped. And for Chris, this is a lot of fun. For someone who had never flipped a boat yet, it was absolutely terrifying. And as the boat was going over, Chris did what all good sailors do. He uncleated the sails, which means that when we eventually righted the boat, 
the boat would just kind of loft about in the wind and it wouldn't go anywhere. However, something happened in the process of flipping over and flipping back up and I couldn't quite get on the boat and Chris came to give me a little push up and with that, the boat was gone with me dragging behind it and we are zipping across a very, I'm zipping across, holding on with one arm with everything I've got. Eventually, the boat and I became separated, and that's when I realized uh, how severe this situation was. Chris and I were, I couldn't see him anymore. I'd probably been dragged about a mile, and the boat just kept sailing on. And to the people on the beach and anywhere else, it looked like everything was fine. And about an hour later, as I'm trying to swim to shore, and swimming with a life jacket on is a very, very slow process. You kind of take one stroke forward and get pushed back three more when the, the wave happens. And uh, long story short, uh, about an hour later, I heard some splashing to my right. And it was Chris. Uh, he didn't want us to be alone and he wanted to uh, swim back together. We started the very long swim, which was... Uh, quite uh, several miles to get back to shore. We were right in the middle of a, a, a lake that's about 23 miles uh, one way and seven miles across. And into that swim, because Chris, is a, Chris had exerted so much energy into that swim, he started to become dehydrated and hypothermic quite quickly. And then uh, he, at one point, he didn't think he was going to make it. And he didn't want anything traumatic to happen with me still out in the lake. And he said I needed to leave him and go get help. And there was no way I was going to be alone in that lake a second time that day. And the only way that he could get me to leave him was to propose to me. He said, when we get back to shore, Charmaine, we've got a wedding to plan. And apparently I took off like an Olympic swimmer. I did say goodbye and I love you, but... <laughs> I've been waiting a long time for that proposal, Shannon. We've been together a long time. And it was what he, what he, he needed us to be a part in case he didn't make it. And I swam and swam and swam. And, and um, what seemed an eternity, I don't even know how long it was, but a little boat seemed to appear out of nowhere with a dad and his 13-year-old son. And they came to me and I told them, please just go get Chris and I treaded water and uh, they got Chris. He didn't really have any vital signs when they picked him up and we got back to shore and people did miracles. And one year later, we were married as he promised. And I tease him now to this day. It's been more than 25 years of happily married. And I always tease him, you didn't think you were going to make it. <laughs> but, but he did, I did, and we did. That's an amazing story. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It also, Shannon, honestly, it taught me so much about life, about how we look at scary situations. It taught me so much about resilience and mental health. And I have been teaching resilience and mental health for years and years as a trainer and a speaker. And that day, I feel really comfortable saying that everything I knew went out the window for a period of time. All the skills that I had were just gone. And uh, one of the most powerful learnings that to this day, even more than 25 years later, is still so ingrained in me is that our thoughts that we have about what's going on at any given time at home, at work, in the community, in our life, the way we think about it shapes everything. 
And I remember swimming to this day. It's so vivid. I remember swimming and having these thoughts go through my head. This was after I had left Chris to swim to shore. And I remember thinking things like, when did I last talk to mom and dad? You know, what, what was our last conversation? Who's going to feed Dukes, our dog? Like, do the neighbors know where to get the key and how to take care of them? All these thoughts of despair and what if, what if I don't make it? And when I had those thoughts, I had no strength physically. It was so hard to put one arm in front of the other. And then when I started thinking about a wedding, I've been waiting so long for this. I love him. We're going to get through this. Where are we going to get married? You know, what are we having for, for the meal? Who are we inviting? When I started thinking about thoughts like, I can't wait to get home and call my family. I can't wait to get home and just hug and love on my dog. You know, I can't wait to get home. When those were the thoughts, it was, it was like I had this renewed sense of physical strength. I could keep pushing one arm in front of the other. And, and that's where I really decided that maybe resilience is about how we push through things and that every little, you know, arm stroke that we take in the water, every little step that we take in real life is what it takes for us to be resilient. The power of the mind. Mm, exactly, Shannon. The power of the mind. I mean, our thoughts shape so much. And the tough part, when you say the power of the mind, I love the choice of words because our mind has, it, it sometimes acts like an entity of its own. There are thoughts going through there that we're not even conscious are being processed yet. It's shaping up how we talk to people, how we how we communicate, how we deal with situations, how we embrace people or not, how we uh, cope with problems, how we resolve conflict. It shapes everything. Speaking of the mind, after that happened, because that's pretty traumatic. Yeah. Did you struggle with your mental health? Yeah, I, I, I did. And I don't know if I realized the honestly, Shannon, I don't know if I realized at the time the impact that that situation had. We went in from, you know, there's this sailboat accident. Chris got on the sailboat the next day and he went and got my life jacket, went and got a whistle, grabbed some wetsuits. We didn't have wetsuits on the day of the, the, um, the accident, which is probably one of the reasons why, you know, hypothermia set in. And so he said, come on, let's go as if it was nothing. You know, as if we're just going out to walk the dog or cut the grass or something. And I, the, the fear that I felt was so overwhelming. It actually physically stopped me from walking forward. And um, I said, I can't, I, I'm not getting on that boat. And in that moment, I realized I hated the boat. I hated sailing. Like, and fear turns into anger a lot. When we fear something, it, all, it often will turn into anger. And that's where I went with that. It took me seven years to get courage or resilience. I'm not quite sure what it was, but it took me seven years to get on the boat. And the only reason why I got on the boat is seven years later, we had a new dog in our life. His name was Toby, and he is a water dog, a Chesapeake Bay Retriever, loves water. He was terrified of it. <laughs> so he didn't mind swimming around the shore, but he would run to the edge of the dock and instead of diving in like water dogs do, he would just fall off the side or put the brakes on and then go back to the beach. And I remember sitting there thinking, you know what, Toby, if you can dive off that dock, 
all get on this stupid sailboat again, <laughs> thinking he'd never do it. <laughs> and Chris worked with that dog every day out there in his wetsuit, getting this, he'd run to the end of the dock, he'd fall off. And then one day I was sitting on the boat, but in the backyard, that was part of me building my comfort. So the boat is pulled up into our, onto the beach and in our backyard. And I'm sitting on the boat and Toby runs and I'm not kidding you, Shannon. It was like the Superman jump both front feet out, in, out his back legs sticking out backwards and he just dove and he did it over and over and over again and the joy that he had was what inspired me to get on the sailboat and keep my promise to him it was really a promise to myself but um, I got back on and that summer we won we won a, a sailboat um, we went into a little tiny regatta there wasn't a lot of boats but we won I think it was second place in that uh and I regained my courage again. But it took seven years. And what happened for me is I started doubting myself a lot. I would doubt my skills and ability, not only in sailing, in life. And it took a lot to move beyond that fear. Because I, re I realized that I wasn't afraid of sailing. I was afraid of that ending happening again. And maybe not turning out good this time. And so what we did is Chris said, we need to help you build your confidence and let's get out there and practice man overboards. Let's get out there and practice you sailing the boat so that if anything ever happens to me, you have a hundred percent confidence. And we just practiced and we did drills and it built up my technical confidence, which then actually brought back the enjoyment of sailing because I will be honest, the times I went on the boat, I, I'm sure I looked grumpy. I'm sure I was not having fun and I was doing it, I think, more for Chris. And then eventually it was more about me doing it for me and regained my confidence and my enjoyment out of it. I got to tell you, Chris sounds like an amazing guy. Chris is an amazing guy. <laughs> he is. And part of the inspiration, Shannon, to get on the boat, in addition to the secret bet that I had with Toby, the dog, was that I remember Chris coming in one day and he said, Char, I think I'm going to sell the sailboat. And it was like I had been kicked in the gut. And he wasn't saying this with any drama or any blame. He just said, we bought the boat for something for you and I to do together. And it isn't as much fun doing this on my own. And I think I'm going to sell the boat. And I just thought, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm taking away something that's so important to him. And that, I think that and the deal with Toby was what really pushed me. And sometimes in life, we just need that nudge. What did you learn about resilience from going through that? One of the uh, lessons I learned about resilience is it takes effort. We all have this capacity to be resilient. And as humans, we are so resilient. Our bodies are incredibly resilient in terms of what they'll go through to, to help us stay safe. And however, it takes work and energy. I think about resilience now as a bank account that I've got to keep putting into that bank account in order that when I need it, there's something in there for me. <laughs> and if we don't do things on a daily basis to support our resilience, whatever that is, for some people, it's physical activity, others, it's eating healthy, others, it's getting great sleep. All those are critical. But we all do different activities that support our resilience. And when we do that every day, it's as if we are, are expanding our ability to cope with life's challenges in a much healthier way. 
that was one of my biggest learnings. The other learning, the power of the thought, the power of our mindset. The third learning, actually, I don't think I clued into this learning until a few years after uh, Chris and I were married. And, and this was sort of a history, historic event in our life. And it wasn't consuming my thoughts as much. I learned that the shoreline that day became very important. Once I got my mindset right, the only thing that mattered in that moment was the shoreline ahead of me. And that's what I kept focusing on that one goal. I just need to get back to shore. People are there. Help is there. We'll get rescued. Life will go on. That was having that one focal point, a destination, so to speak, a place to land, a place to get to, a goal. That became critical. And I know now that that lesson continues to play out. For example, if I'm in a time in my life and businesses where there's a lot going on, I'm busy and managing multiple tasks, I just think of my shoreline. What is my shoreline for today? What is the one or two things, the only one or two things that matter in this moment or in this hour or in this day? And it's amazing how any stress just kind of reduces or even disappears because my mind is not managing these other million thoughts and ideas and responsibilities. It's just focusing on that one or two things in that moment that matter. Is there a connection between that experience and what you're doing now? Huge connection between um, that experience, what I went on to do over the next 25 years and what I'm doing now. Absolutely. About three years ago now in 2018, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and was not prepared at all, like anyone would not be prepared for that kind of a diagnosis. And and um, that day in the lake really prepared me in terms of how to deal with that diagnosis. Three years later, I'm doing great. My health is good. Surgeries and chemo and all of that that takes place in a diagnosis and in the treatment of it. But um, again, I, I leaned on the lessons from the lake. What matters today? What's my shoreline? My shoreline is just, you know, doing this, this, and this today to be healthy. And I remember after my surgeries, when walking the distance of three houses, and these are houses fairly close together. It's not like I'm out in the country where they're far apart. I would walk miles every day with our dog. And walking three doors down from where we lived was physically exhausting. I felt like I ran a marathon. And I remember walking that day, and as I'm walking on the sidewalk, instead of my mind saying, one arm out in front of the other, put your next arm out, as if I'm taking the swim in the lake. This time it was one foot in front of the other. Breathe. Pace yourself. And the power of how we can communicate messages for our recovery was important. This diagnosis came partway in the production of this movie that you had mentioned. And it was testing my resilience to make choices about what I was able to do in any given day. And I'll, I'll tell you, the movie actually became my biggest source of healing. It was what gave me inspiration to get through some really, really tough and dark times coping with cancer. That movie deals with resilience. It does. How did that opportunity come about and what does it mean to you? Mm. What is, I'll answer how it came about and then what it means to me. Fort McMurray Wood Buffalo, Alberta, Canada is a northern community in Alberta. And it was my home for 16 years. It's where I started my businesses. I lived there for 16 years, Chris and I. And um, while I wasn't there at the time of the fires, we had moved 
at that point. I was actually called back by the school divisions and by a number of nonprofit organizations to work with the community on their recovery and their resilience building programming. So I was doing presentations, facilitating processes to help the community and uh, educators become resilient and cope with this unbelievable disaster that had happened in, in their community. And it was there that I had met Michael Mankowski, who is the incredibly talented screenwriter director of the movie. And he shared with me this, this dream he had to bring this movie to life through animation and to tell the stories of resilience and connection and hope and community. And immediately I knew my body told me, you are so heck yes for this, Charmaine. I had goosebumps when he talked about it because it was like the perfect opportunity to make a difference was being presented to me. It checked the box of um, doing good for the world. It checked the box of collaboration. It checked the box of mental health, checked the box of creativity, of connection, and the list went on and on. And I didn't really know what I was getting into in all honesty, Shen. And I had never worked on a project like this before, but I had worked on many projects that were large scale and were involved in collaborative processes. And I became the executive producer of the movie. And my role was to secure the funding for the movie, to build those community partnerships, to bring on our nonprofit partners and all of the other partners that we're working with to bring the movie to life. And uh, it's been an, an incredible journey. The movie was created, Back Home Again was created to be a conversation starter about mental health and resilience. And then you asked, what does it mean to me? Oh my gosh, what does it mean to me? It became my beacon of hope when I was dealing with breast cancer, partway through the excitement of this movie getting completed and, you know, we're getting closer and closer to completion. And, and uh, in 2018, you know, we're moving forward. The script is done. It's going into animation. The actors who have generously donated their time and voice to this movie, they're, they're locked in and, and then boom, I get this diagnosis and the movie gave me something powerful to look forward to every day. I looked forward to life and family and friendships and relationships, but this gave me a chance to use my skills because in this process of the, the diagnosis and treatments, I wasn't out there speaking. I wasn't doing media and things like that. And I, I realized how important my work is to me. I love what I do. I love what I do. And then this movie gave me a chance to to take on every day what I was able to in that moment. If it wasn't much, that was okay. On a good day, I could take on more. And it just became a source of healing and practicing, you know, the, the lessons that I was teaching others, practicing them on myself. Where can we find this movie? Ah, well, right now the trailer is out. Uh, the official movie trailer is out on YouTube, Back Home Again movie. And uh, the movie will be coming out. We, we're doing the film festivals right now. It's won several awards, two awards at the world premiere, which was in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, at the Edmonton International Film Festival. We won two awards there. We also received an award of excellence from Canada Shorts Film Festival. And then it goes into another film festival, Cine quest which is in april and august and then after the film festivals we'll have it available uh for the public to access right now we're doing a lot of screening events and private events uh and bringing this into classrooms and organizations and it's incredibly um just incredible to watch the movie 
with others. Yesterday, we did a screening for a teacher's convention, and I texted Michael and said, you know, we've probably watched this movie a thousand times at all stages and in its completion, and still, the moment the, the first little note of music comes out, my body is just this rush of, of um, you know, goosebumps and excitement, and just so incredibly proud of this and the team that pulled this together. I look forward to watching it. I'm sure my kids would love to watch it. Yes. Yes. I, I can't wait for you to see it, Shannon. What is the best piece of advice that you have for somebody who might be experiencing mental health struggles right now? Mm. I'm going to use the advice that we were given by two of our partners on the movie, Canadian Red Cross and the Canadian Mental Health Association. And both of them have said this, and it just, I think it's so powerful. They've said it's okay to not be okay all the time. And I think as humans, we expect a lot of ourselves. We, we push and, you know, we've got this grit and tenacity, but sometimes things are just not okay. And it's okay not to be okay 100% of the time. We have to give ourselves a break. We always talk about kindness as if kindness is something we do to other people or for other people. And we have to demonstrate that same amount of kindness to ourselves. For me, I'm hard, I'm hard on myself. I know that about myself. And being kind to ourselves is critical. The other piece that I would say to your question, Shannon, about what would people need to know about mental health right now is that asking for help is a strength. And a lot of times people think they have to go at something alone and that asking for help will be perceived as a weakness when we look at what's happening in our world right now, what we're all living in and navigating through, we see people reaching out and asking for help. And I believe that when we ask for help or when we say to someone, you know, I just need some time today with you. <laughs> I'm just not having a great day. When we let others know that we might not be doing well or when we ask for help, it's almost like it shines this light on the path for other people to do the same. And the more that we exert that skill of asking for help or letting others know how we're really doing, it invites people to show up to help you. And it will invite other people to do the same. When they see people asking for help, but it's like that domino effect that they then feel more comfortable asking for help. Absolutely. Um, I'm actually working on being kind to myself because like you, I am very hard on myself and I try to be kind to other people, but then I'm not so kind to myself. Yeah, I think a lot of us struggle with that. Yes. I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to talk to me today. You said a lot of things that made me think. I'm going to try the, sh the shoreline thing out because sometimes life gets overwhelming for me. And if I just think about that shoreline, that will probably help. Yeah. Yeah. The shoreline's where I, I actually just used it yesterday, Shannon. I noticed I had this building pile of papers, notes that I had taken from calls I had been on over the last couple of weeks. And the pile of papers can look big. But when you put all papers aside and you just focus on one, that feels doable. You know, then you get one and you take the next one. And, and sometimes we just have to retrain our brain, so to speak to be able to focus on that shoreline. But it is very powerful because as humans, lots of us benefit or feel good when we have completion. 
that that one item off the to-do list is crossed off that one piece of paper is now shredded it's gone because the task is completed and I, I think I would just add, we have to recognize our accomplishments, especially for those of us like you and I and many people listening, where we tend to be a little harder on ourselves sometimes, recognizing completion and the wins or the, whatever you want to call them, celebrating the accomplishments is very important. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Charmaine. Thank you, Shannon. It was great chatting with you today. Stay tuned for the mic drop moment. Enjoy what you heard today? Help us get the word out. Give You Talk a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. You might find your review reposted on our social media. Thanks for listening. The mic drops next. The conversation with Charmaine this week was rich. In particular, there were three topics she really provided some perspective on. Fear, the power of the mind, and resilience. What I heard Charmaine say about fear is that it can be stifling. Not only does it keep us stuck, but it also makes us start to doubt ourselves in other areas. All of that can be frustrating and show up as anger. Which makes me wonder, when someone's lashing out at me in anger, how much of that anger stems from fear? Charmaine also said that sometimes in life, we need someone to nudge us so that we can get out of that place of fear and begin to move forward in resilience. You never know. You could be that person to help someone else get unstuck and begin to move forward just by being there and encouraging him or her. Another jewel I got from my conversation with Charmaine is that our mindset makes all the difference in whether we're able to move forward. When she had to swim for her life, she actually described feeling a lack of physical strength to move forward while thinking about what might happen if she couldn't make it to safety. However, when she began to think about getting married and having a future with her husband, she felt a renewed strength to continue on. Our experiences can shape our thoughts, whether conscious or subconscious. The boating experience and resulting mental health journey prepared Charmaine to face another tough battle with breast cancer years later. Both fear and resilience have a lot to do with our minds, and experience is the best teacher. Last, Resilience is all about taking one step at a time. It's about your ability to push forward, which can't be done without some self-care and love. Accept that it's okay to not be okay and give yourself some grace. If you need it, ask for help and let others show up for you. Focus on your shoreline and just keep moving toward it day by day. It might take time, but that's okay. You'll get there. I'm always thrilled to hear from listeners. 
If you share an episode or your thoughts on social media, be sure to tag at utalk2020. There are also links to Charmaine's social media and the Back Home Again movie trailer in the show notes. In Season 3, Episode 4, I'll be listening to Danielle talk about the complicated relationship she had with her father that led her into some unhealthy relationships and a battle with anorexia. Thanks for listening. Grace and blessings. Blessings.